The following presentation is part of the Beyond the Blast Doors Network. Dark Troopers and Star Wars mean endless possibilities. What's their relationship to the child? We're going to explore that and how it might mean Moff Gideon is about to solidify himself as a top villain in Star Wars. Plus, fans question Gina Carano's place in Star Wars. We dive into the conflicts between the Mandalorian actor and those who once saw her as a breath of fresh air. And why we think the Mandalorian is a staging ground for the Star Wars equivalent of the MCU. Jordan Mason with Cinelink stops by. BTBD Live starts right now. The farthest reaches of the galaxy, the Midwest. You're watching Beyond the Blast Doors Live. Star Wars fans around the world brace for the live action debut of Ahsoka Tano, searching for Ahsoka and Gideon's Dark Trooper project. We also have Jordan Mason. We've got a lot to go cover on this episode of BTBD Live, episode 98. So glad that you are with us. Here on this incredible, incredible, exciting Wednesday night. We're going to have a lot of and uh, we're really thrilled that uh, we can be in the Star Wars conversation together. I'm not by myself, by the way. And if, by the way, this is your first time checking out BTBD Live. Hi there. Welcome. If you're back to continue the Star Wars conversation, I'm David and I'm really excited to be with you. And I'm not alone. Oh, absolutely not. Because I am with my friend Arzu Amin. Arzu, the up-and-coming Canadian TV writer, how the hell are you on this fine Wednesday? I am good. How are you? I'm doing really well. You know, here in the States, it is Thanksgiving, and I just learned right before the show that you, in Canada, you guys celebrate Thanksgiving, like, way early. Second Monday in October, because our harvest is sooner, so we celebrate harvest sooner. How does this work out? And I'm going to show my ignorance and maybe how my education has depleted over the last seven years. Uh, but why is it early? I mean, you, you mentioned that it's an earlier harvest, but is it the same Thanksgiving? Like, is it still, no, we don't have the, you know, the, the Mayflower and the coming over and the like the friendships didn't go well. I mean, that happened here. I'm not pretending that didn't, but we don't have the same sort of beat for beat narrative that the States does. Okay. Very interesting. I, something new I learned here on, uh, on, on this Wednesday and, uh, we'll talk about later in the show. Um, ours is going to play along. We're going to talk about what we're most thankful for. So even though she celebrated Thanksgiving uh, a little while ago, we're, we're still going to she's still going to participate with us tonight. And we want to know what everyone is thankful for. So to all those uh, with us already in the live chat, want to say hi. And my goodness, the live chat has already taken off because we have Apprentice Ewok, Matthew, Nick Melky. We've got Gallinorian Saber in there. We got Gilster. And we got a few new faces, too. I think I saw Andy hiding around. So it's really exciting to uh, have you with us to talk a bunch of Mandalorian. We'll also talk a little Bad Batch, which I'm really excited about. The uh, Clone Wars spinoff slated for uh, Disney Plus here in the next 18 months, two years. So we're going to be talking about that. And we have Scotty, j Row, and Mr. Rez jumping in the live chat as well. So we're so glad to see them. Uh, we do have a few exciting things happening on the network. And before I get to that, I do want to put out some headlines. These are things that have happened. We are going to talk about them in depth. But shout out to John Williams, his score for Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker, up for a Grammy and the best score soundtrack categories. And congrats to um, arguably uh, the greatest film composer of all time. And I think you're not arguing over who's the best. I think we're all just going to argue over who's the second best. Um, and go. then speaking of Rise of Skywalker, the comic adaptation that was slated to drop in June, that is canceled. Uh, it is not happening. 
And so when we dive into Beyond the Panel later in the show with Marie Wilson, uh, we will get her take on that. And also, if you're a fan of Solo, a Star Wars story, and vinyl, you can get a pretty cool exclusive print. More information on that right now at StarWars.com. Uh, later up in the show, uh, Pete Fletzer is sitting out this uh, this week. However, he did do a quick interview with uh, Toys for Tots uh, as a way for us to build up more excitement around the Hyper Toy Drive. So we'll talk about that again. If you haven't heard, you've been living under a rock watching our content. Uh, we're doing the Hyper Toy Drive this year, getting toys for uh, kids in need through Toys for Tots. 12 content creators across the, the Star Wars fandom collaborating. So it's pretty cool to see uh, how there have been dozens and dozens of toys. I think we're over 120 uh, gifts uh, sent to our PO box already. So really exciting. It wraps up next week. Um, so we'll talk about that and we'll hear from a representative of Toys for Tots. Also coming up in the later uh, in the show, your last chance to win uh, or get an entry to win the Star Wars Black Series Snow Speeder valued at $120. So this is a really big deal, and we're really excited about this uh, because uh, just having the opportunity to do this, uh, Josh Most over there at uh, Hot Chronicles made this possible. And if you guys are like, oh, he's bluffing, he's bluffing, it's not there. It's real. Like it's We're, we're going to give this thing away. It's still boxed. Sign, seal, deliver. It is yours. So we're excited to be able to give that away on the show. And uh, without further ado, I'm going to go ahead and say it's time to get into the first topic of the of the show. Arzu, are you ready? I'm ready. All right, I cool. Ready. I made a special graphic for it, so I hope this okay. I hope this goes well. But uh, for the first topic this week on BTBD Live, episode 98, what's it? Dark Trooper, the Mandalorian, chapter 12, dropped some big news on us. And it has this all giddy for Gideon in chapter 13. That's right, because last week, the siege directed by Carl Weathers. Oh, my goodness. It had action. It had thrills. It had humors. Apparently, there's cloning going around uh, in The Mandalorian. It makes a lot of sense, right? Dr. Pershing had that logo on his sleeve in season one. We all thought something was going on. And so, um, Arzu, it seems like we need to really understand what are dark troopers? What's going to be the impact potentially on the Star Wars story here? Um, right. Because when that scene first opened up, were you aware of what was going on? Because at first, I really thought they were clones of Vader. I thought it was Vader armor that was up in the wall with the tubes hooked up. And then a closer look, I was like, oh, that might be a dark trooper helmet. And then the internet, we kind of figured it out together. Was that how you digested that scene or did no. you have a different take? I, I saw people going, oh, it's Vader clones, it's Dark Troopers, it's Death Troopers. I'm like, so those aren't empty flight suits, because that's what I thought they were. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, like TIE pilot suits that were just kind of hanging and waiting to be used. I'm like, okay, Sinister, they have an army, but I didn't realize that they, those were meant to be, like, bodies. So, I have a lot of canon in my head, but, like, late 90s, early 2000s video game is not, are not on my radar, so... Thanks, well, to, <laughs> thanks to the, the lovely people at this network. Everybody kind of caught me up on Dark Troopers. Well, and I, I you know, and you're exactly right, though, because in Star Wars Legends, as it's known today, Arzu, um, the Dark Trooper is uh, from the video game Star Wars Dark Forces, which, by the way, if you haven't already, you should definitely check out uh, the conversation we just had last week with John Knowles of uh, LucasArts. He was there in the 90s and early 2000s, and he's responsible for Dark Forces along with other games. 
And so it's really interesting to see how uh, the Dark Trooper has arrived here in canon because, uh, like I said, Dark Forces in, in current canon, it's in their Star Wars Commander, for example, um, very similar to the Purge Trooper we see in Force Unleashed. And so it's really interesting, again, how Disney, Lucasfilm, Dave Filoni, John Favreau, they're taking um, what is a fan favorite from the EU and they're repurposing it, uh, which is really exciting, I think, for several reasons. Um, and the evolution of it uh, is something that I want to dive into in a little bit. But I, I just think that this is not like a love letter to fans, but it's it's like anyone who's been invested in the story for three decades or anyone who's taken time to go back and find out about who these art troopers are. Like this is like an immediate payoff, Arzu, for them to to see these on screen. Right. My question is, um, and I, I know that you have some of this uh, th that we've prepared. The Dark Trooper itself has kind of evolved. There's been a couple of phases. Can you break that down um, okay. real quick um, about how? Because they started out as droids, right, and then they evolved right. to you know so like Iron Man armor. Down. Yeah, bear with me. But yeah. so they evolved. <laughs> into the dark trooper program mm -hmm. and the failure of this program is why the people in charge sort of started to distrust droids and or combat droids and then so this is where these phase two dark troopers come and they were used during the imperial military during the galactic civil war and the battle for tattooing so they kind of they're coming in stages so i guess now to your point david if they're being pulled from the from legends and now being brought in what phase are we in, I guess, would be my question now. What phase of this are we in? Where are we at? Because I know, like, timeline-wise, where we are, but... Yeah, I think that's a really... What are they bringing in, I guess, would be my question. I think it's really fascinating because we're in a moment, Arzu, where it seems every big Imperial baddie that we get has to have a big, bad project that they're in charge of. And it's up to them to do or die to impress the Emperor. Because if they fail, right. the story has a way of killing them. And so you have Tarkin who has the Death Star, and you can argue Krennic, I understand. Krennic has, okay, poor Krennic. Like, poor Krennic. Right, poor wow. Krennic. But, like, Krennic had the Death Star. Tarkin and has his ambition. Thrawn. Thrawn, Thrawn had the TIE Defender, Defender program, program, right? In Star yeah. Wars Rebels, we learn how he's trying to get TIEs. Uh, the, the whole purpose, I think, was getting them to hit hyperspace, right? So Yeah. That was uh, so refreshing, the one Imperial project that had nothing to do with the Death Star. I'm like, good, right? yeah. It shows they've diversified how they yes. want to ruin the galaxy. I mean, rule the galaxy. I'm sorry, ruin. <laughs> um, I think what we're seeing here is this is Moff Gideon's project. This is the Dark Trooper. This is how the Empire is going to once again elevate itself. And what's interesting, when you go through the canon, uh, the lore of the Dark Trooper, the Empire, this is just one of those examples of how the Empire falls out of love with droids. So we're going to try and get humanoids to function within this technology that we've developed. Really excited to see how this unfolds. The question that I have, and I think a lot of people have on their mind, is are these dark troopers somehow connected to those creatures that we're seeing in the test tube in that right. laboratory on Navarro? My assumption is they're two different things. They're in the same room. Or am I supposed to assume that they're actually the same the same thing is that being growing to be put into that armor. Um, where do you stand on this idea that uh, the child is fuel for either whatever in that tank 
or for those troopers that are hooked up to all those tubes? I think the child is fuel for the pickle snoke in the tank. I don't, I don't think that it's related to the dark troopers because I think, you know, if it's a lab, then they've got more than one thing going on. So they're building these enhanced soldiers and that's sort of, it looks like it's ready to go. Like those things look ready to deploy, but the, the clone in the tank clearly has a long way to go. Dr. Pershing says it's got a long way to go and he's not confident. So I think, I think they're two separate things. I can roll with that. Because that's like two threats, right? So I, I think you're right. A lot of speculation suggests that the creature in the tube is the precursor or the origins of the Snoke program. So the Emperor trying to find a way to create a clone that he can put his essence into. And, and again, John Favreau, Dave Filoni... Uh, we're pretty open about this when The Mandalorian was kicking off. This series is also going to give some insight into the origins of the First Order, and that we know the First Order was actually this program to buy some time. It was kind of a distraction to allow the Final Order to grow in strength out there um, in the Unknown Regions um, on Exegol. Uh, I, I would be curious to think if they would be so bold to show those as, as Snokes. I would almost imagine that those are some kind of um, maybe a cyborg. Maybe that's not the best term to use, but some cross um, that's being used to power this large Iron Man-like armor that is the Dark Trooper. And my idea right. would be that are they trying to somehow create a program that um, the, these, these powerful beings would also be Force-sensitive, which is, I assume, why you would want the child, um, assuming that the it's M-count. M -count. That's why you need an M-count. Love the reference, by the way. I, I was, oh, yeah. I, I'm fine with Metaclorians. It doesn't bother me at all. You know, there's a science to Star Wars. Um, you know, and George Lucas wanted to explore that. Um, so it it works for me. Um, that said, though, um, it would make more sense. Like that's why the Snoke theory to me makes a lot of sense. Is because the child having a high M count, at least that's assumption. I mean, 50 years young. The child seems very capable in the force. And so could the child's DNA, blood, life force be able to fuel these early versions of the Snoke clone? Maybe. Um, maybe. I'm having a thought now. Go maybe ahead. Using like the child's blood, like because the child is not human and Snoke is humanoid. Could the, and like he's not force sensitive when they're creating him and they inject him with this non-human force sensitive blood. Could that be causing part of his distortion. I like that idea. I like that idea Probably a lot. Probably not, but fun to think about. I think it's, well, and that's what's so exciting about this show. And to the credit of the creators and Disney and the format of, of Disney Plus, we get to do this every week. We get to do this every week together, which is take that 40, you know, that 30 to 50 minutes that they give us and, you know, kind of play with it, kind of imagine what could happen next. And, this past week, I was kind of nervous about what this episode would do. It was a slow buildup. Slow. I felt like there was action. But my goodness, the last three minutes of this episode was the meat and the potatoes. I think Carl Weathers did a phenomenal job directing this episode. And the canon, the lore, the expansion, the potential that is now in uh, The Mandalorian is huge. And Dave Filoni, he gets a 51-minute episode, episode this week. And we assume that will be the live action debut of Ahsoka Tano, which um, 
is really exciting. Does the Dark Trooper program, just knowing that, and, and, and I say knowing, we don't know. It could be something else, but we're pretty confident in Star Trooper. In fact, if you listen to the episode with the audio uh, with the audio impaired track, Dark Trooper is said. So it's it feels really safe to call them Dark Troopers. Arzu, does this program Gideon's love child, the Dark Trooper? Mm-hmm. Are we about to witness an event that could arguably make Moff Gideon one of the top villains in Star Wars, and he's had? Minimal screen time. But is he positioned to become one of the great villains in the catalog in the Star Wars galaxy? I think he's in a good position to become a main villain to us, the audience. Like, to sort of become, like, the ultimate threat, maybe, to to Mando, to the child, to this pocket of the story. I don't know how big his impact is going to be because we know, you know, 20 years from now, 25 years from now, that, that he wasn't the ultimate threat to the galaxy so i think his influence in universe is limited but i think in terms of the impact on the audience i think that yes that he is he's in that position to become like up there with like the other the other big bads i'm really excited to see what we get here with uh this this next installment because i think it's going to be really inspiring for fans i think it's going to be a thrill and we mentioned potentially the live-action debut of Ahsoka Tano. We'll get to that later in the show. But just really thrilled to see what we get here. I personally think that Moff Gideon will be top tier. You know, I mean, I, and I'm saying it's Vader. I'm saying it's Tarkin. And I, I, maybe Moff does take Krennic out of the top three for me. Um, so it'll be really exciting to see um, what does unfold. Um, here's the thing, though, that's crazy is, Moff Gideon doesn't probably even know he's going to get Ahsoka Tano when he tracks down the Mandalorian this week. If it, it plays out the way we think, he's just trying to get his hands on the child. Um, so I think it's going to be really interesting to see um, how this unfolds uh, for us. Arzu, anything about Moff Gideon, the Dark Troopers, that you want to address before we get out of here? Now we can get out of here. I'm excited uh, to see where it goes. Yeah, absolutely. Let's dive into the live chat real quick to see what's going on. Andre says, I wonder if they are droids or armors, though. So I think maybe he's wondering if they're droids or if there's people under, underneath. That's what, that's what I was thinking, too. Yep. yep. Uh, Matthew, that Kenobi series will make heads explode and adults cry. Okay, so this is just an example of the other show that's happening. Uh, when we're doing the live show, the chat has a mind of its own. Andre again, Gideon wants to be Force-sensitive. I really like that idea. I like that idea a lot. Uh, you know, he has the dark saber, And uh, I think it'll be interesting to see how that's involved. Especially, again... You get Ahsoka Tano in here. You know Bo-Katan is looking for Moff Gideon because she knows that he has the Darksaber, which technically makes him the ruler of Mandalore. Does he have access to a location on Mandalore? I don't know. We'll find out. Nick says, I think Dark Troopers are going to be an experiment towards Palpatine's transference of consciousness. I think this is a solid theory, and I think that this could be something that does come to fruition. Um, I, I, I think that one of the critiques, uh, criticisms of, of The Rise of Skywalker, it just seems like there needed to be like 15 minutes on the front end explaining how Palpatine came back and maybe a flashback of how the Emperor did Somehow transfer his essence and you know, something like Somehow. that. So maybe the Mandalorian is an opportunity to do just that. So uh, really exciting to see that. Um, Apprentice Ewok, I think it's also a big nod to the creators of EU stories. They wouldn't use this stuff if they didn't respect it and love it. 
I don't mind seeing EU stuff being brought in. No, I think that the EU has a lot of great stories that a lot of fans were passionate about, Arzu. And I think that what Disney has done is smart. From a business standpoint, we're going to put all that in a different category so we can tell all new stories the way we want to tell it. We can market it, we can sell it, and we can profit from it. But also, to excite fans, those things that worked out really well, yeah, we're going to slide those in here over time. I think that's really cool. Um, I think that's good too. Like you want to bring in the the highlights, leave out all the weird, not the weird stuff, leave out all the stuff that didn't make any sense. Bring in the weird stuff, bring in the stuff people liked and then make it internally consistent with this new story. Like why not? You have a whole mine of, mine of, you know, 25 years worth of stories. Why not use it? Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I, I just think it would be a shame to completely leave it alone. And there are elements that we've already seen through the EU that have been brought back. Um, so very fascinating. And it, again, listen, there was a there was a story in the EU where they tried cloning Luke and Vader, and so that's why I think that you have to be really respectful to those who think that it's an army of Vaders or Vader clones. That could be Vader specimens in those tubes. I, I mean, really, there's endless possibilities. And the cop out is, well, if it's done right, well, then it's no big deal. That's the cop out. Um, it's not as easy as just saying, well, if it's done but right. It's so done wrong. Yeah. But if it, yeah. Well, and, and that's the thing. Every decision they're going to make is such a gamble now because I feel like the Mandalorian has established itself as such a, a top tier Star Wars expression of storytelling that, yeah. like, you know, I mean, what are we, I mean, what do we do now? I mean, we're talking about this show. I mean, three of our four topics tonight is about the Mandalorian and how great it is. It's, it's kind of like the big thing happening right now in, in the Star Wars world. Um, really love everyone's conversation in in the live chat. I think it's super cool. I'm fingers crossed. I hope we're going to see uh, Moff Gideon and Ahsoka Tano duel it out at some point here in live action. I just think that would be such a great experience. Um, and Andy from Hollow Chronicles, he even suggested that, you know, Dave Filoni gets to bring the character to life on screen. Will he also be able to end her story on screen? Which... <laughs> that has some implications of death. So we'll see uh, if that comes to fruition. And do us a favor real quick, if you don't mind. Hit that like button on this episode if you haven't already. If this is your first time to be on The Blast Stores, welcome. If you're back to continue our Star Wars conversation, welcome as well. Hit the thumbs up. Hit the subscribe button. And when you do that, make sure you hit that uh, bell notification because that means when we go live for BTBD Live or our other shows here on the network where we drop new videos, you're the first to find out. We can continue that Star Wars conversation. Uh, we have a friend of the show standing by right now. So I want to go ahead and bring her in right now because this is how we talk Star Wars comics every week. Uh, it's, it's, it's the incredibly uh, gifted. I, Marie Wilson has the ability to remember so much Star Wars story. It is insane. Marie, how are we doing tonight? I'm fabulous. How are y'all? We're doing really well. We're doing really well. Um, I want to bring on um, Marie right now just to talk about the new issue, uh, Dr. Afra. So I'm going to have Arzu. Arzu's going to step aside for just a quick bit. But when we come back, we are talking about Gina Carano and whether or not she should remain in The Mandalorian. A lot of fan outrage. Uh, and some fans don't think there's a problem at all. So uh, coming up in about eight minutes, we're going to be talking about that here on BTBD Live. Arzu, we'll see you in a second. All right. Have fun. All right. Oh, we're going to have all the fun in the world because we're talking Star Wars comics. Marie Wilson, Ooh. happy Thanksgiving. How are you doing? Great. I'm excited to talk. I can only say so much about this issue, though, because there was a huge, big surprise reveal. So, um, but it was it was really, really great. I loved this issue. 
you know, Dr. Aphra is like the Indiana Jones in a way of the Star Wars galaxy. And Dr. Aphra number six, uh, Marie Wilson writes a solid review uh, for the, the Star Wars comics of the week every week on beyondtheblastdoors.com. And I thought your review was really spot on with this issue. Um, what is it um, about this Dr. Aphra series, the second installment of Dr. Aphra's story that you think is really intoxicating to the point that the casual Star Wars fan um, or someone that's watching the show live right now, they should they should hop on while it's only six issues deep. Um, the biggest thing is just the twists and turns, which are super typical of Dr. Aphra's stories, even from the back when she was in the Darth Vader um, comic series. But there's so many surprises all the time. Her personality is just a delight to witness because she's so cavalier and says things that are ridiculous and kind of terrifying that she's saying them to the people she's saying them to them to. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> excuse me. Um, but yeah, it's, you're like, did she really just say that? Um, but it's, she's just such a delight. And I will say that the way this issue started, so this is the start of a new arc and you could really jump in at this issue. Um, there, I mean, you'd miss out on a little bit, but the way that it just kind of opened up this brand new mission for her makes it such that if if you really just want to jump in now, you really can. I think it's a really exciting book. I think the writing is really solid. And again, this is uh, Dr. Afro number six, the engine uh, the engine job part one head hunted. Uh, this mm-hmm. is written by Alyssa Wong, illustrated by Ray Anthony Height, Robert Gill, and Victor Olazaba. We also have Rochelle Rosenberg on this project as well. Again, Marie Wilson every week on BTBD. Well, <laughs> this is BTBD Live, but on Beyond the Blasters.com, always giving a really solid review. You gave this an eight out of 10, Marie. Yes. Um, I think, though, if we're ranking the Star Wars comics that are out right now in 2020, the Star Wars mainline with Charles Soule, you have Darth Vader, Greg Pak, you have the Alyssa Wong, Dr. Afra, you have the Star Wars Adventures, Kevin Scott jumps on and off about that. He's kind of busy, too, with High Republic. When we're ranking the current comics right now, does this issue elevate the story? Are we still trying to feel it out to the point where it is, um, you know, at, at the top of our Star Wars list here as 2020 comes to an end? Um, well, I will say that they introduced Ronan Tag, and so you thought he was going to be this big bad that carried through multiple issues, and then last issue, Dr. Aphra blew up his penthouse, and he's no longer with us. So his aunt, Lady Domina, took over, and man, is she a powerhouse. So this just, like, badass woman coming in and and sort of just taking control of everything is just really cool to witness. Yeah. So it definitely kind of like this, instead of it being a white male, (laughs) (laughs) for them. Yeah. So (laughs) it was this awesome woman that kind of took over everything. So I really like where they're going with this. Real quick, before I let you go, we found out today, I believe, might have been yesterday even, that Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker um, is going to be, the the comic adaptation is canceled. Um, Now, what that means is either Marvel decided this thing is not going to happen at all, 
or it could be released as a trade uh, trade back, and and that's it. Um, I think mm-hmm. this was supposed to drop in June, and they're they're just saying yeah, it's, it's just not going to happen. What's your take on this, as far as someone who is a fan of the comic adaptations of these movies? Is this really disappointing, um, or is this you know it's a casualty of the pandemic, and we'll move on as as comic fans? Well, for me, number one, obviously, um, I love Rise of Skywalker. Um, so there's that. And number two, I liked how the comic book adaptations expanded the story. There were scenes in the Rogue One comic book adaptation that were not in the movie and not in the book. And I thought that was really cool. And there was a potential for that. And so that's really disappointing. Um, and I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm really bummed about it. I really am. So fingers crossed that it becomes a trade paperback. We will cross our fingers. Marie Wilson, when uh, people want to talk Star Wars comics with you, where is the best place for them to go? You can find me on Twitter at Alia Morgane. All right. Wonderful. Marie Wilson. Thank you so much for joining us as always here on BTBD Live. This is episode 98, two away from 100. I'm like really uh, surprised that we've made it to episode 100. Honestly, it's been like four years. So maybe we should have done this like a year and a half ago. But nonetheless, I'm going to bring Arzu back in. And Marie, we will say goodbye until next week. Awesome. Bye. All right, Marie Wilson with uh, BeyondTheBlastDoors.com. So glad that she could stop by. She sent me a message right before the show. And she goes, Hey, are we still doing the show? I'm like, yeah, girl, we're doing the show. She's like, you never sent me the info. Got to confirm with people. I, I got to confirm. I need to send emails. I need to send emails and text messages. Emails. We're not all just waiting. I need to start using the Google Calendar. That's what I need to do. Um, we have uh, Jordan Mason uh, with us uh, uh, in just a couple of minutes. He'll join us. But real quick, uh, let's go ahead uh, just for uh, keeping things moving along here. We are going to go ahead. You know what? Jordan actually is in. He looks like he is ready to go. So let's just do it. Let's just bring Jordan in. I think it, it's it's how we should it's how we should do this. I think that makes a lot of sense. Joining us now on BTB Live, episode 98. We have Cinelinks and StarWars.com's Jordan <laughs> Mason. How are you doing, sir? It is so good to see you. Hey guys, I appreciate you having me on here. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun to uh, be talking Star Wars here with you uh, in the next, I don't know, 10 minutes or so. I want to dive right into it, Jordan, if we can. Uh, you have a report, The oh, yeah. Bad Batch. It's the Clone Wars spinoff uh, for Disney+, Plus, and it sounds like we're going to have um, a familiar Mandalorian now making an appearance on that series. Can you just kind of break down what you've been able to uncover? Well, it unfortunately hasn't been a whole lot. Uh, from what I've heard... Uh, is that Bo-Katan will end up popping up in the Bad Batch as well. Uh, so, you know, she's going back to her her cartoon uh, roots there after getting the live-action debut uh, the other week. Uh, I heard this early earlier last week and spent the better part of two or three days trying to get more information uh, but all I could really get from, you know, three, four different sources is that, yeah, she's in there, and, but, but I have no idea how she's going to pop in there just yet. Uh, you know, a more 
you know, I'm sure it'll be played by, by Katie Sackhoff as well. Uh, but yeah, I, I've dug, I've done a, I did a whole lot of digging. I heard, uh, from two separate people, like in the same day saying, Hey, you know, she, she's popping up. Uh, you know, I also saw that there's some, uh, merchandise that would normally be associated with, uh, the bad batch that had her name on it as well. Uh, which was one of the first clues that I got. And then I heard from a random other person that it was happening. And then I dug in, talked to some of my other, other people that I normally do with this stuff. And, you know, and I got really solid that, yeah, she's in there. Uh, I don't know how, but I know she's in there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really excited for it to, to see this story. I think it's a really interesting way to do a spinoff of the Clone Wars. It's not the first place I would have gone. I did like these characters yeah. as far as the time we got to spend with them in season seven. So I, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic. I would say the least. Um, and, and I, you know what? I, I, I know that Mandalorian's a big topic and I know Arzu has a question for you. Yeah. So we'll, we'll go, we'll go there. We'll go there next, but yeah, just super excited about what the bad batch has to offer. Yeah. Okay. So my Mandalorian question is like with this <laughs> week we have, <laughs> we have Dave Filoni's directing. We think Ahsoka is going to be there. So what I want to know is like, do you think, she's going to play like a really big role in the episode. Do you think it's going to be like a, like a, like a minor bit, like Luke at the end of the force awakens, where she just kind of turns around and then her whole thing is in the episode after I was kind of wondering what your thoughts on that were. I don't know. That's a, that's a hard one. I mean, they've done such a really good job of keeping the Mandalorian uh, story stuff locked uh, aside from some casting stuff that came out, uh, it, it it's a tough call. I I wouldn't be surprised if if they go whole hog with it. Uh, and I mean I've heard whispers, but I don't think this is all. I also I'm not entirely sure this would be the only episode that she shows up in. Uh, you know, which could mean that she's only in there for a little bit in this time, and then she pops up later. Uh, in, in the next episode or down the road. Uh, but. I have a strong feeling just I, I would imagine that it would be more than just a little bit uh, like they did with, you know, with Luke at the end of force awakens. I imagine that it would be more, it feels like based off what we've seen so far and where the story's heading, that's a major, I mean, that's a major goal that he's been getting to uh, right. and where he's, he's been leading the whole time. And that's only through resolution with her, are they going to get to the next, you know, whatever story point they're going to? I think it would have to be more than five or 10 minutes. <laughs> oh, absolutely. The, the payoff has to be big. And I think the assumption is with Dave Filoni directing that episode is that it ha it will be substantial. He gets to bring his, his, his actual intellectual property, like the, the character he created to the live screen. I think we're, a lot of fans are really excited about that. Uh, what my question to you now is, it feels as if there is something larger being developed in the background and the backdrop of the Mandalorian. I don't think it's done unintentionally where season one, we knew absolutely nothing season two. We're being told one way or another, this character is showing up. This character is popping up. This planet's popping up. We're getting Boba Fett. We've gotten Bo-Katan. We anticipate seeing Ahsoka Tano here in the next 48 hours in her live action debut. Do you have any reason to believe yes. that we are witnessing the formation of a Star Wars equivalent 
to the MCU? Because at, at this point right now, we've got, what, two side projects that are related to the this live-action world, we believe? Oh, yeah. Uh, and, and I think they've been building that. Uh, and I think the first season of Mandalorian was built specifically with that in mind. The The main goal being anybody it's accessible to anybody anybody can get into it anybody can watch and even how they've introduced these familiar characters to us longtime fans uh they've done it in a way that makes it easy for anybody to get into uh and I think that's part of what they want to do is this can be a stepping stone where people can get started on their star wars journey with the mandalorian and still use it to introduce themselves to other stuff. I mean, I, I've had people at work, uh, buddies of mine come up to me and said, okay, you know, you know, they don't haven't really cared about the movies or anything like that, but they're loving the Mandalorian and they hear all these character names and, and they've come up to me. It's like, okay, I'm ready to get into clone wars or star Wars rebels. And, and, and I think that's kind of the genius of how they've, they've set it up. They set it up to where it's so easy to get into uh, that you naturally want to learn more about about the bigger Star Wars universe. And when you say that, I, I guess I'm curious, do you think it could be too much too soon, or is it a thing where we have complete confidence because you have Jon Favreau who has experience launching a big universe, and you have Dave Filoni there as curator of the Star Wars story? Uh, it, this seems like it's like the best one-two combo that the franchise has to offer to do this. Uh, I mean, I know there's there's always been some concern about too much too soon, you know, as far as, you know, we got one movie a year uh, for a little bit there and, you know, Solo didn't do as well in theaters and some people attributed that to, you know, it's just being overwhelming. And I personally have never bought into that. I think that's more of a marketing thing. And the idea that they want to keep everything Star Wars as these big, huge uh, event things, which I can understand, uh, but it's also limited some of the marketing decisions that they've made, uh, which, you know, is very drastically different from their approach to, you know, Marvel, which is all under the same house, essentially. Uh, you know, you have three, four Marvel movies a year, and they each of them do incredibly well and because they're well marketed and, and they're pushed and they just took a different strategy when it came to star Wars stuff. But I think with TV shows, they're in a new territory where they could do more because they're TV shows and they feel like you can consume them in, in bite-sized pieces uh, that I think people would be more willing to, to consume more of it. Uh, and it sounds like they're going to get to a point where they're going to have to. Uh, you know, you've got season three of Mandalorian that they're currently working on. Uh, you know, the Kenobi series, Cassian series. You know, these are all going to come out within, you know, they're all going to be filming around the same time and essentially ready to release around the same time. So they're going to have to figure out how do we release three shows in, uh, you know, at least a year's period of time. So, uh, and I think that's, I think it'll be easier with TV and streaming. Uh, mm -hmm. But I don't think, I mean, personally speaking, I can never get enough. So, well, hey, there's a reason why we do an hour long show every Wednesday night here live on YouTube is because we freaking love this stuff. 
Um, I, I, I did want to ask, I guess, that you mentioned how there's, you know, the Kenobi project, and I tweeted it out yesterday. If you think about it right now, there are like nine projects that are in development, whether it's Kenobi, mm -hmm. the Bad Batch, the Clone Wars, the Ahsoka Sabine thing. Um, there's art, there's possibly the um, Star Wars Rebels spinoff um, with Ahsoka and mm -hmm. Sabine. Um, you keep going down the list. Kenobi, Cassie and Endor. Um, you have the other, the female-led project uh, that we know like absolutely nothing about. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. It's, it yeah, feels Boba like... Yeah, Boba Fett oh, that's filming. Right, right the Boba Fett project <laughs> uh, that is supposed to happen in between Return of the Jedi and The Mandalorian. And so it just seems like mm -hmm. a golden era um, for... Uh, Star Wars and to be a Star Wars fan, Disney really doubling down on, on Disney Plus and its streaming platform. Uh, Disney has said a, a few different ways, whether it's Bob Iger or Kathleen Kennedy, the focus has shifted from the big screen to streaming. That's probably exacerbated because of the pandemic. Of all the Star Wars stories that you're most excited about, and again, we're joined with Jordan Mason here uh, of Cinelinks and uh, BylineStarWars.com. Jordan, what is the upcoming Star Wars project that has you excited the most of the the duds the dozen that we have in development right now. Oh my goodness! I'm putting you on the spot, bud. Man, that's tough. Uh, gosh, because there's so much. Uh, it's a great problem to have. Really good stuff. <laughs> yeah, it's a great problem to have. It, it is. It it's tough, and it just depends on on what what some of it ends up being. Uh, you know, I really love take a uh, Watiti's all of his work uh and i'm super looking forward to his new film and what he does in star wars uh but probably if i had to say of what's been officially announced right now is uh kenobi uh you know i i grew up with the original trilogy you know i wore up the vhs tapes on the originals you know the first time i saw them on the big screen was special edition so the prequels were, were really the ones I grew up with in my time period. Uh, and just seeing more of, of, of Kenobi and, and, you know, Ian McGregor is, is just feels like a dream come true. Uh, and I've heard some exciting things about, you know, how they plan to do some stuff there and how it's going to, you know, and Deborah Chow is an amazing director and she directed still two of my favorite episodes of the Mandalorian. So I can't wait to see her, with series i think we're all in that same situation really excited to see what she does uh ben in the live chat what filoni and favreau are setting up is as close to a disney lucasfilm retcon of the sequels that we're going to get <laughs> wow that's a hot take i don't know if that's true i, 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 I just think that we're going to get to explore a lot of these characters more intimately i like what you were saying about kenobi i hope that we get this like disheveled old hermit in the sands of tatooine contemplating with the oh, fact that yeah. he lost his best friend he lost the love of his life he just killed like three months ago his the, the guy that killed his master i mean this guy's messed up honestly if he doesn't cry at least three times i think that we should get our money back for that month because <laughs> this man needs to be broken damn it i want this man to be just moaning and shouting at the sun um i i i just think i i think i'm with you i think that's my favorite but that's also because i think that you and mcgregor's obi-wan kenobi is one of the three top things that we got from the prequels. I just think that you and freaking oh, yeah. nailed that role. The top three thing period for me is him as, as even like in the whole thing. Go off Arzu. Why? Well, no, cause like, like Jordan, like I grew up on the prequels and he, he is one of my favorite things about those movies. And just because it is such a 
nuanced portrayal and it just has like implications for the series as a whole i think that elevates his performance as obi-wan to like one of one of my top three things about star wars period i love it i love it we uh we're joined by jordan mason here on btb live episode 98 jordan so glad that you're able to join us thanksgiving is tomorrow for us americans i'd like to ask you before we before you head out what are you most thankful for this year well, it's hard in 2020. It's been a rough year. <laughs> it's been a rough year. Uh, honestly, you know, sappy as it sounds, uh, I'm for for me personally, I'm very grateful that my family's been able to stay healthy. Mm. Uh, you know, we have uh, that's the the tough part is we have multiple people in the house who who fall into the high risk category uh, for one reason or another, including some of the kids. So it's been. Uh, you know, really s- stressful to try and keep everybody healthy. And so far w- we have, which, uh, you know, I can't, I guess I can't, I can't ask for anything more than that, especially right now. Awesome. Well, we are thankful that you and your family are doing well, and we hope that you guys continue to do well as we get through this pandemic. Hopefully it's over sooner than later. Yeah. Jordan, if people want to follow you for more Star Wars conversation, what's the best way for that to happen? Uh, Absolutely. The best way is, you know, as far as Star Wars stuff goes, is probably going to be on my Twitter, which is uh, right there across the screen at Jordan Mason, uh, Mason with an I. Uh, but of course, you can always check me out on Cinelinks.com where I'm posting, you know, news about all kinds of movies, video games, of course, Star Wars speculation and, and scoops when they come across, uh, and, you know, and I can verify them. Well, Jordan, we hope that you can join us in the very near future with uh, some more of your scoops. That would be fantastic. I appreciate you guys having me on. Jordan, we'll talk soon, everybody. That was a lot of fun. Jordan Mason with uh, Cinelinks uh, joining us here on BTB Live. Super cool to have him with us yeah. and talk about that report. And uh, making time for us was super cool. Uh, so we hope to hear from him in the near future. And with that, we're just going to go ahead and dive in to the next topic here on BTB Live. Yeah. It's a topic that I think is really important to our zoo, a lot of folks in the Star Wars galaxy. And that is that there is a lot of frustration right now um, on, to be fair, both sides of this. Uh, Gina Crano, Star Wars fans clash. Uh, there was an article from Vanity Fair, uh, Joanna Robinson and Anthony Bresnikan uh, doing this story about hero worship turns to scorn. And it's really the story of a fan who um, identified with Gina and, and thought that she was powerful and thought that she was um, a bright spot in the Star Wars galaxy. Yeah. And uh, unfortunately, uh, she made some statements on social media that um, she says she didn't intend to, to create divisiveness and offend people, but uh, she made some comments uh, and, and certain actions regarding the trans community, for example. Um, and then she's also made some statements about um, joining uh, Parler, uh, a social media platform that is created uh, basically for conservatives um, to be free of the fake news. Um, but uh, I would say as someone who knows a lot of journalists, I think there's a lot of concerns about journalistic integrity and bias. Um, and so that platform is, is, is highly controversial right now. The crux of this is separating the character you see on screen and the actor portraying that character. And can you leave it at the door when watching the story unfold on screen? Selfishly, as a Star Wars fan, we may not want to see the series suffer because 
we like the story. We want to see what the writers have planned out. We want to see that unfold. But there are also folks that have concerns about someone who is so open about their stance um, having a role in this galaxy. And so, so ours is kind of opening it up to you. Uh, you're someone who says that you have a challenge. You, you struggle separating the two. I'd like to know why you feel that way. I genuinely cannot separate the two because I look at this woman and all I see is the bigoted transphobe who felt the need to mock pronouns, who has joined the, I like David, you're being very polite about the whole thing. I don't have the same restraint who has joined an alt-right social media platform who regularly like signal boosts homophobes and racists. Like I look at this and I see this woman going, okay, so you, you personally, the woman I'm looking at now is pro a section of the country that feels that people like me don't belong there. I cannot leave that at the door. And I don't, there's precedent for other reasons, not like hot button reasons, just there's precedent for other reasons in other forms, in like other movies, other series, whatever, to just recast somebody. And that's what I think if they have a story for Cardoon that they want to play out, recast her. She, she, this woman does not need to be on the payroll. She does not need to be there. I think it's interesting when, because you mentioned that. And, and so like, for example, in America, you know, you, you have the freedom of the speech, freedom of speech. You're able to say what you think that is a, that is a freedom of America. And I think that the difference um, between say Gina and then you have like Luke's, you have, I said Luke Skywalker, Mark Hamill is incredibly vocal about his liberal political stance. Um, right. And I think the difference, and I could be wrong, but it seems to me, and I, I try and be on the outside of this. You know, I have the easy job on this show because I've specifically made it to where I can say what I want, but I'm also the moderator. And so I can, I can, you know, kind of, you know, like gauge it. And so as an outsider looking in, I would say the difference is because the, if you take a Mark Hamill compared to, to Gina's situation, Mark is trying to have um, a more inclusive, he, he has more inclusive views. Um, and Gina's uh, seem to be hurtful. Now, to be fair to her, she did retract her statements. In fact, okay, she retracts her statements. She's like, oh, I didn't mean it. I learned my lesson. Now I'm going to go make a parlor account, start retweeting racists. Like, she has the freedom to say whatever the hell she wants. You're right. She is not free of the consequences of that. If I walk into work tomorrow and start insulting my boss, I have every right to say that. My boss is not under any obligation to keep me in their employ. Mm -hmm. I, you are not free from the consequences of what you say. And to the point, she has her opinion, but like human rights are not an opinion. They are not up for public debate. Like, like, um, Mar like Marie Wilson likes the rise of Skywalker. I hate it. That's mm -hmm. an opinion. Somebody's humanity based on who they are is not a matter of opinion. And like for her to just be out there and be bigoted like this and to keep her job is horrifying. And this is like, you know, like it is causing people to walk away. It's causing people to cause to call for her to be recast. Like that's, that's the consequence of this is that they are, they are losing audience by keeping someone like this on the payroll. It's like anytime Mark Hamill will say something a little more liberal leaning people are like, well, you should keep the politics out and you've lost a fan. That's the consequence is that he's lost a fan. Whether or not he cares, 
that somebody takes issue with his, mm-hmm. you know, more liberal, like, I guess, m- more inclusive view, whether or not he cares, that's his business. But that that's the consequence of that action. And I think the company needs to stand behind trans people, they need to stand behind the people who love them. And like, my whole thing is, I know there's some people who like, can't relate because like, they aren't trans, they don't know anybody who's trans, maybe. So like, my whole challenge to you, if you're out there and struggling with this is, pretend it wasn't about trans people, pretend it was about something that affects you, be it your race, your religion, your gender, whatever, pretend it was something specifically targeted at you or somebody you love very much. Would you want this franchise to stand behind somebody who made comments like that? Or would you, or would you want them to face consequences for the stuff they say? Like just, just change, change, you know, sort of change the, the thing she's saying and change it to something more applicable to yourself. And then ask yourself if you'd still be okay with having her on the payroll, if you'd still be able to not like, if you would still be able to separate the two. So that's what, that's what I put out to you. Yeah. I I think, and and first off, I want to reiterate that here on beyond the blast doors, I, like our biggest thing is that everyone gets their opinion. Everyone gets to express their opinion and everyone gets to be respectful. And I, and I will say that I, I think that everything that you've said is incredibly um, honest and fair. I'd be kind of curious to find out how aware Disney, I would imagine Disney uh, Lucasfilm is aware of the scuttle about her comments on social media. I would be interested. Wait. I would be interested in knowing how they view it. Um, because here's the thing, micro, we're on Twitter and we're in this, like, not a vacuum, but we're in the weeds of that Twitter community. And so, you know, when I go on social media, yeah, trending in my area is hashtag fire Gina Carano, but the casual fan probably has absolutely no idea. And I think the casual fan would be someone that would see the Mandalorian and not give two rips about her political views her religious affiliation what she does on the weekend and so traditionally and just to be fair because you're being honest about how you view this I, I think what she's done is wrong um and traditionally i am someone who has separated what you see on the screen uh to what happens in real life and i think the only reason why i'm even aware of what she said and how she's um apologized someone would say apologize someone would say backtrack i think that's fair to say okay um, I, I think that it's 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 fascinating to see um, the response and how big the people that are aware seem to be hurt, um, and for valid reasons like you just shared. You you feel like um, you feel it, but, it, you know, it's damaging to you. Um, but that's the thing within within this community. Like you say, we're in a bubble, and I agree, mm-hmm. we're in that bubble. First of all, so is Lucasfilm, so they can't not know. But also, too, like when we're in this bubble and we're like, oh, you know, something like dark troopers, we're like, hey, that's great for like the people in the bubble and the people in the know. So why is it okay to cater to, cater to, I don't think that's a bad thing necessarily, but to cater to the bubble when it comes to something in the grand scheme of human rights, inconsequential, dark troopers, which is exciting for the story, don't get me wrong, but it's like in the grand scheme of things, inconsequential to cater to that bubble for something like that. But then like, we're like, well, it's just the bubble who who knows about this so if the casual fans don't know then why would we do anything casual fans don't know what dark troopers are so why would you include them do you know what i mean like like wh- when are you ta- when are you catering to this bubble and when are you not you need to cater when it matters too i think that disney and lucasfilm have standards that they stand for and i would be curious i mean there i would there has to be some conversation between gina carano's camp and disney about moving forward how she could even stay in 
um, at this point because because again my point is we are hyper aware of it and because we're aware of it, we have feelings about it but how big is the stream of complaints in the Disney and Lucasfilm because I think there's a far greater percentage that is unaware not making a right or a wrong but I think it will be interesting to see what happens what is the story that's going to unfold there's a theory that Gina Cron there is a theory that Cara Dune every time she pops up in the Mandalorian the child it grows uneasy there's a real likelihood that Gina Carano's character is not really a, you know, a supporting character. She's more of a cameo. Maybe that character dies out. We, ha we have no idea of how this gets resolved. Um, but I think it's going to be interesting because I think the longer this series continues and the longer Gina Carano is around, I think it's become more of a problem for the fans that are bothered um, and are not just bothered, just aware of what she's had and some of the, the, the things that she, she says she stands for. And again, I agree with uh, freedom of speech, but also there's has to be a respect for all human life. And you're, so like you're that, not, you're not free of consequence, no mm. matter what you're free to say. I think that's, that's, the, that's where I land on it. I think that's right. That's right. You're not free of consequence. I think that's a great way to end it. What do you think about Gina Carano in star Wars the statements she's made on social media, the divisiveness uh, is it or is it not appropriate for an actor to do that on social media? Let us know down in the comments below. Uh, to continue the Star Wars conversation, you can also hit us up in the live chat. Uh, a lot of folks talking about this, uh, and, and it's kind of all over the place um, about, about this topic. And so we'll pull up a few. We're going to keep it responsible uh, and respectable. Um, and then we're going to move on pretty quickly because we have a little bit more Star Wars that uh, we want to talk about. Um, Saint of Abia says, no, we should all have our rights. Matthew says, I think she messed up her chance for a spinoff series. Um, that's interesting because there was a rumor that there was a live action series about three months ago in the works that had Cara Dune involved. Uh, Andre says that they made it a comic book instead. That's interesting. Um, Andre says Gina did nothing wrong. Uh, Galanorian Saber, Cara Dune was created by Filoni and company. Gina just portrays her, which maybe goes to your, pan your point. It does. Uh, that that like character, character can be recast. Yeah. I like the character, but I just cannot separate this character I like from from the bigoted woman who portrays her. So you if know, they if they did a comic book, a book, a recasting, animation, whatever, I am there. But as as it is, no. Well, I want to switch gears now, uh, Arzu. I want to have some fun with this um, yes. because it's a really cool effort Let's that we're that. doing here on Beyond the Blastoverse, um, and it is the Hyper Toy Drive. The Hyper Toy Drive is an effort between uh, 12 different uh, Star Wars content creators uh, here on uh, YouTube, and it's a really incredible effort that's happening here. We'll run the Galaxy B2B Live here, Bombad Cast, Hell Chronicles, Idiot's Array, Kanata's uh, Castle, Kessel Run Transmissions, The Sith List, Star Wars Explained, Steel Wars, Tarkin's Top Shelf, and Tatooine Sons. We're all getting together so that way we can be talking about um, Toys for Tots and the fact that uh, 2020 has hurt a lot of folks and the need is still great. Uh, that's not going away anywhere. And so we're collecting Star Wars toys for kids and need this holiday season. It's really simple to do. All you have to do is go to beyondtheblastdoors.com and you can find at the very top, you'll see the logo. You'll click on that logo. You'll go to an article. We have a link to an Amazon wish list. Any item that you buy off that list immediately gets shipped to our PO box. We'll be distributing these gifts after December 4th um, to the New Jersey area. It's kind of hard to do like a national or a global toy drive. Uh, so this this effort, we're going to do New Jersey. We're going to bounce around, and the hope is next time we do this, we can do like Canada, where our zoo is, or we yeah. could do the UK, where Shannon is, 
And that's how we'll make our impact in different parts of the world. And we just want to say thank you to those who have already given. Uh, I believe we're at 100 donated items, um, which is pretty cool. Um, they just keep flooding in, which is just a beautiful thing to see. And we actually, uh, like I mentioned earlier, Pete uh, set out this week. Um, but we do have um, an interview with a member of the Toys for Tots organization with Pete, Fle with Pete Fletzer. So uh, we're going to go ahead and uh, cue this up and hear why Toys for Tots is so appreciative of Beyond the Blast Doors and all of these content creators rallying together for kids in need this holiday season. We're joined by Chris Saldano from Toys for Tots here in New Jersey. Chris, how are you doing today? Great. Thank you for having me. So, Chris, tell us a little bit about uh, what you do for Toys for Tots and tell us a little bit about Toys for Tots. I uh, am part of a detachment here in New Jersey called the Hunterdon County Bulldogs. Uh, we cover um, all of Hunterdon County for Toys for Tots. Um, we work with a Central Jersey coordinator who's uh, Chief Warrant Officer Nick D'Andrea. Um, and anything that we collect and uh, gather over the Toys for Tots season goes to a Central Jersey location and then gets distributed to all of Central Jersey from there. What makes this year so so different than other years that you've uh, been collecting for Toys for Tots? One of the things that I've found, especially during Toys for Tots, is that people are extremely giving and nice. Um, the problem with this year is that we're, you know, even though people are extremely giving and nice, um, everybody's kind of hurting this year uh, with, you know, everything going on with the pandemic and COVID and, and the fact that, you know, people have been so limited. You had mass amounts of people out of work, um, a lot of people having less funds this year to do anything with because we're not allowed to actually interact with and contact people and, and be around as many people as we normally do would be right. um, collections have been difficult. People aren't going out to stores as much. Everybody's ordering things online and, and yeah. doing things that, you know, in that nature. And that poses a problem for everybody, you know, across the nation. And for Toys for Tots, they have drop-off locations all over the country. Mm. Uh, the problem is, is that even with those drop-off locations, if people aren't going to them to drop things off, then, you know, toys aren't coming in. And um, that means we've got less to be able to do something with to give to those that are, are needy. You know, typically right now with the way that things are, I mean, I've, I've got my trailer that's staged right outside the house. And typically I'll go with the, you know, around the trailer and we usually do pickups and push everything into the trailer and then bring everything down to the warehouse. Excellent. We'll make anywhere between, well, typically, I don't know how this year is going to go, but, you know, we'll typically make anywhere between like five or six runs from here oh, wow. to the warehouse, you know, a season. Um, this year, we haven't done one yet. And, mm. you know, we're already coming to the end of November. So yeah. I, I want to give you an opportunity right now to talk to directly to people who can watch, hear your voice, go straight to the Beyond the Blast Doors toy drive and make a donation. What, what would you tell folks today? There are still so many people out there in need, and you, you never know who it might be that you might be helping. I mean, it could be, you know, your friend, your neighbor, you know, the, the kid down the block. You really, you really don't know. So, so donating is still important. And, and I would, you know, implore you and, and ask you that if you have the opportunity to donate, you know, even if it's something small, please do so. Well, thank you so much, Chris. We really appreciate it. And we're glad to be able to be a part of this. And um, uh, happy holidays to you and your family. And thank you so much for, for joining us today. I, I greatly appreciate it. Thank you so very much. Uh I really do appreciate that conversation that Pete was able to have there. 
um, with Chris and Chris making time so that we could talk about the hyper toy drive. Just a super cool effort. Again, it's around the galaxy, beyond the blast doors, bombad cast, hollow chronicles, idiots array, Kanata's castle, Kessel run transmissions, the Sith list, star Wars explained steel wars, Tarkin's top shelf and Tatooine sons just blown away by the support Arzu that we've gotten so far on this. It's really, honestly, it's inspirational to me. Um, you know, like it's cool to watch um, Alex and Molly on Star Wars Explained a couple days ago. Uh, they did a Q&A, and right off the top, they're talking about the Hyper Toy Drive, and Steel Saunders did it as well. Um, I think everyone has done at least one shout-out, and I think that's why we're starting to see the influx of generosity. So it's pretty cool to uh, to see unfold. Um, I need to still – I have to still donate. I felt like I couldn't lie. Like, I just haven't done it yet, but I'm going to. I put, like, 30 items on the list. I'm going to buy some comic books. Did you see the photo? There's like all these Lego sets, which that's great. We got to get some, we got to get some literature in the hand of these youth. Um, (laughs) This is kind of funny. This is kind of funny. They're like, um, where's this, where's this comment? Gilster, David, do a YouTube video to show us how to do it. Um, I like this one from Apprentice Ewok. Super easy to find an item and send it to BTBD. Had some extra money from coaching that I wasn't expecting. So I put in another order. Yeah. That's super cool. So Apprentice Ewok not just donated once, but twice. Super cool. We really appreciate that. Making a difference um, in kids' lives, uh, which is really cool. Um, Really, really just awesome. Uh, We have one more topic here left on BTB Live going a little long this week. But uh, my goodness, big thanks already to uh, Marie Wilson for stopping by talking Star Wars comics and Jordan Mason of Cinelinks and StarWars.com. Uh, talk a little Bad Batch and, and a few other things. Had a blast with him. One more topic after this, though. Stay with us, though, because at the end of the show, we are announcing the hashtag so you can get your third and final entry into winning the Star Wars Black Series Snowspeeder. Again, 120 bucks. Uh, if you've commented on episodes 97 and 96, you got two entries. You'll comment in the comment section right after this live stream to be in under the third. We'll do the live giveaway next week here on BTV Live, so it'll be a lot of fun for that. Let's get into it. Really exciting here. Because right now it feels as if Disney could launch the Star Wars equivalent to the MCU with the Mandalorian. Star Wars fans got a treat with Bryce Dallas Howard and crew a few weeks ago. The live action debut of Bo-Katan stole the show. There was incredible cinematography. There was music. The fact that Bo-Katan is on screen saying Ahsoka Tano's name blew me away. And so it's kind of twofold. And we'll start here. I would like to just ask Arzu, what is the importance of a live action Bo-Katan? What does that allow to happen for this story moving forward that should have fans really excited? So I think with the first season, they sort of made it like this standalone space Western. And that's what, that's what this show is. And then with the introduction of Bo-Katan, I think now they've kind of opened the doors. So it's, it's tying all the animation in. So it's like, no, no, this is one universe. And now we're really going to like, dig into it we're gonna get weird we're gonna get like really deep into like the lore like you know with mandalore and i guess the implication with ahsoka tana now with the jedi so it's i feel like it's feeling more like a like a part of the star wars tapestry i guess i think that's great it's the connected tissue right we talk about this someone who reads a lot of the books reads a lot of the comics watches the the animated series you're getting a return on your investment for spending all that time and energy following every move and tangent of the Star Wars canonical timeline, a live-action Bo-Katan brings in some of that connective tissue from Star Wars Rebels, from the Clone Wars. Um, I think it even allows fans that are fans of the EU and all that Mandalorian culture that was established, I think it allows those fans 
to have some joy. It also makes the Mandalorian a backdrop now, doesn't it? Because you have Bo-Katan and she gets one episode. It was like 30 something minutes. Okay. Well, they got Katie Sackhoff in that armor. She's asking about where the dark saber is. She knows about Moff Gideon. There's gotta be more to her story arc than just that one episode. And with the inclusion now of Ahsoka Tano and confirmed the way it was on screen, um, there was a rumor that there is still an active rumor that there is an Ahsoka live action series in development for, for, for Disney plus. And it's a question that we asked Jordan Mason. I'm going to pose it now. Are these the key ingredients to forming a star Wars equivalent of the MCU on Disney plus? Uh, is this the future of the star Wars story? I think so. I think one thing the books have done really successfully is that they will tell a standalone story, but then they'll dip into either another book or into the movies and then they'll make it feel connected. So that's something the books do really well. So I think it's good to see that, that the TV and I guess visual media, like the TV, maybe down the line movies, like we'll, we'll do that more because I think some of the, it's been lacking in that, in that sort of connective area beyond the odd name drop here and there. So if they're going to now mix all that together, make a sort of MCU where you don't have to see all of it, but if you do see all of it, then it sort of informs your view of it a little more and you can kind of be a little deeper into it. Then I think that's a good thing. I, I think you're right. And I'm just so excited. The pieces are there, not just on screen Arzu, but also um, behind the camera uh, in the writing room. You have John Favreau who did Iron Man set the framework, the foundation for the MCU, this 10, 11 year juggernaut that made right. billions and billions of dollars at the theaters and in stores with merchandise. There's no one better to be doing this for your universe. And that's why I'm like sitting here going is the Mandalorian. Um, and we've seen even scenes that seem to mimic Iron Man. Is this the Iron Man of the Star Wars MCU? And it certainly feels that way. You know, we know that Kevin Feige is going to be producing a Star Wars something that is a film. We don't know what that movie is, but he's now involved in the Star Wars sandbox. And now right. you have John Favreau um, just flexing his muscle here with the Mandalorian. It certainly seems that I don't think there's going to be a reboot on the Star Wars story itself in the sense of, no. um, listen, the movies we have are the movies we will have. Episode 7, 8, and 9 will be the 7, 8, and 9. They are not going to be retconned and we're not going to do a world in between worlds thing from star wars rebels where we play with the time continuum and the galaxy that's these movies are the movies folks but what we're getting here is a reboot in approach strategy and branding with the star yeah. wars story something that's more accessible for the fan um something that's easier to follow and here's the thing um whether you have enjoyed the mandalorian or not and i think overall it's been high praise uh you get and when I say you, Disney and Lucasfilm, they seem to get every week for two and a half months, they get fans glued to streaming to, to the streaming service. They don't need to promote this show because we're tweeting about it 24-7. Free promo. It, this incredible machine is, is already in front of us. Um, and so maybe in a way we have um, maybe in a way we have answered our own question, Arzu. I gotta ask you this though. We also have this cavalcade of directors that are playing in Star Wars now because yes. Deborah Chow, um, uh, Rick Famiawa, we have Dave Filoni, we have Bryce Dallas Howard. We just had Carl Weathers arguably direct a top five Star Wars something uh, with with 
just how shocking this reveal was at the end of the last episode. Do we feel like the Mandalorian is a testing ground for those first directors to get their Star Wars, their Star Wars movies or their Star Wars series? Maybe. I think it's a testing ground to sort of bring them into the, like, I guess, so yes, I am agreeing with you. I think it's a testing ground to, to sort of bring them into the family, especially with, with the directors they had in season one, just sort of like see how they play in the sandbox. And like a lot of them either came back or they were given movies so like Taika and, and Deborah Chow aren't coming back, but that's because they have other Star Wars projects to develop now. So, so yeah, I think, I think, I think that is what this is. Yes. I'm really excited to see what happens next. Listen, if we're able to sit here uh, on a Wednesday night, three years from now, Arzu and be like, remember on episode eight ninety eight where we said there might be like an MCU type of thing in Star Wars. Um, I want to be right. I, I, I think it would yeah. be so much fun. And just imagine the scale now of Star Wars Celebration, especially in, in 2022, if that's the backdrop to announce this universe, it's going to be overwhelming emotionally, mentally. Um, it will be a high in the Star Wars community for sure. I just uh, want to say Gilster in the chat is shouting out Robert Rodriguez as well as one of the directors this season. And yes, Robert Rodriguez, it's going to get fun. It's going to get weird. I cannot wait for his episode. Robert Rodriguez, also another member from the uh, the MCU community playing in the, in the Star Wars galaxy. So pretty cool there. We want to know what you think about the possibility of a Star Wars equivalent MCU happening right now. Are we seeing the framework on Disney Plus? Let us know down in the comments below. You can also let us know in the live chat. And that's where we'll go real quick before we start uh, talking about our Star Wars giveaway. And it seems like everyone's having um, a good time. You know, we've talked, we've had highs and lows in this episode from talking about really fun Star Wars adventure to some very serious uh, topics um, about respect and inclusion. And I love that we can have that spectrum of conversation here on Beyond that's the Blast Wars. If it, if it was all happy all the time, I think we'd be lying to ourselves. Right. Josh, Josh showed up in the live chat. Josh most from uh, Hawk Chronicles. Uh, I, I don't know why he he just likes to promote himself. <laughs> Josh Mo, Star Wars Coast to Coast. All right, whatever. Hey, everyone, we're going to do this because it's really important that we cap off the show with a big thank you. You know, we're here in the holiday season and um, we wanted to do something big. And Josh is with us in the live chat because he's the one that's enabling us to do this. Um, we're giving a, a holiday giveaway here on BTB Live. We're going to try and do monthly giveaways moving forward on the show. It's just one more way that we want to show that we care and appreciate about you and the time that you invest in our network. Uh, and especially with this show, B2B Live, celebrating four years, which is just incredible. Episode 100 is just a couple of weeks away. Here's how you enter to win this. Um, you see it on box. It is a box Star Wars Black Series Snow Speeder valued at $120 to win this. All you have to do is subscribe to the BTBD YouTube channel. That's beyond the blast doors. We'd say BTBDD. BTBD for short because sometimes it's hard to say beyond the blast doors. You have to like this live show and you have to comment on this episode here on YouTube. I know that we're streaming to Facebook and Twitter, but to enter, you have to comment on the YouTube episode. Give us your favorite Empire Strikes Back memory. Maybe it's your favorite scene, your favorite humor. Um, maybe it's actually a, a Empire Strikes Back story that happens in comic or book. Let us know that in the comment section. And then just include hashtag frost covered wampas. That will get you entered. And you can enter up to three times. And here's how you can comment with your favorite Empire Strikes Back moment with hashtag frost covered wampas on this episode 98, episode 97, 
and episode 96. We have all those episodes collected for you right now on our YouTube channel. Just go to the Beyond the Blast Doors live playlist. We've made it super simple. And we have a few people in the live chat that have already entered not once, but twice, and soon a three-time. Matthew says there are going to be at least five spinoff series for the Mandalorian. And he also says winning. He really wants to win this damn snowspeeder. I think anybody should. Listen, it's $120 value, the Star Wars Black Series, six-inch scale. This thing is massive, and uh, it can be yours. We'll do that live raffle on December 2nd, uh, which is just going to be a lot of fun. And then uh, December 18th, we're actually going to be doing a network-wide uh, live stream uh, where it will be the final episode of Season 2 of The Mandalorian. going to bring up my friend, uh, Arzu Amin, one last time, so that way we can uh, get out of here and blast this joint because we've gone a little long this week, but we had a lot we wanted to talk about. Arzu, before I let you go, uh, it is Thanksgiving over in the States, and since you do it this is. show with an American, I'm going to make you do it. What are you most thankful for this year in 2020, a year of challenges? Okay, in this year of challenges, I know it's a common, very popular sentiment, but I am thankful that my family is all healthy. People like like Jordan, there are high-risk individuals in my family, and I am very thankful that that it has not it has not touched our family yet. Yeah, hopefully I'm, not at all. Oh my god, knock on wood. But like that is what I'm thankful. Did you for. just knock on your head? <laughs> yeah, if, if I can't find wood, I knock on my head. Is that not uh, a thing everywhere? No, it, no, it is. It it it, okay. it, it crosses the border well. Um, I, I do want to say that uh, I'm with you on echo those segments. I, I got COVID uh, a few weeks ago. Uh, my wife got COVID. My dad got COVID. And so um, the, the scary thing about this thing is it hits everybody differently um, and it impacts everybody differently. And so that's why as a network, we thought the best way we could join that conversation about the awareness and the pandemic was the hyper toy drive and, and trying to do good for kids. Uh, so on a serious note, very thankful that um, I'm back to full strength. Um, although I don't think my first time back on a treadmill is going to go well. Uh, my wife is doing better and, and my dad is doing better. So for, for, for that, that's a serious, very thankful for that. You can, of course, let us know what you're thankful for down in the comments below or the live chat. And now I have a very less serious. This is, this is fun. So I splurged. This is the first time that I have bought a Lego set in three years. And so I got the Slave One. Look at this bad boy. I got the Slave One. Lego. I understand the box says 10 and over and I'm twice that and more, but I'm really excited to build that Lego set and uh, hopefully and the Razor Crest. You're over 10? Yeah. Okay. I, well, well, I mean, that that's broad. There's Lego sets now that come out with 18 above, so there I should go. probably invest in those, but uh, no, just excited to uh, have that early Christmas gift um, to me. So we find different ways to cope with the reality of 2020 and that's how I do it. Um, Arzu, before we get out of here, what's the best way to follow you if we want to continue the Star Wars conversation with you? If you'd like to continue this conversation in a civil manner, I can be found on Twitter at Arzumin. If you are uncivil, I am very liberal with the block button. <laughs> I'm just is. putting that out there because it got controversial tonight. So I'm just going to put it out there that uncivil people get blocked. You know, uh, she no is. Questions asked. She is very honest about that. Hey, uh, you know, I'm always so thankful to be in this Star Wars conversation with you. If you want to continue it, you can always hit me up at Ammo on the air on Twitter. Also, you can follow the show at BTBD Star Wars, where uh, both accounts. I, I tweet more personal things from uh, my ammo on the air account. BTBD uh, Star Wars is is just like news and, and Star Wars commentary. And so we have a lot of fun there. Really appreciate everyone checking out um, us there on Twitter. Uh, also Facebook. Our, our community is growing every week and it's because of you spreading the word. So quite literally, you are the spark uh, of the Star Wars conversation. And so with that, I just want to say 
Thank you so much. A big thanks again to Jordan Mason of Cinelinks and StarWars.com for joining us to talk about his report on the Bad Batch and other Star Wars frivolity. I want to thank Arzu for joining us. We had Marie Wilson to talk Star Wars comics and beyond the panel. You can join us every Wednesday, 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific on YouTube. We're also available on podcast form, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. A live watch party of The Mandalorian Chapter 13 this Friday morning. If you're a Patreon, find out more information on that. Beyondtheblastdoors.com. Thank you for watching. Thank you for Beyond watching. The Blast Beyond Doors. the Blastdoors. Be sure to subscribe, sure to, to, our subscribe to our channel. Don't forget, don't give, forget us give us a thumbs up, up and, leave a and leave a comment. Beyond the Blastdoors. Beyond the Blastdoors. A Star Wars a Star conversation. Wars conversation.